When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week, I chat with Mountain High Hockey Goalie Club and coach and former NHL goalie Matt Zaba about coaching, blue rental skates, and social media. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Matt. All right, Matt. Hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast and uh, being a little flexible with schedules as you're traveling with uh, the junior team you help coach. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's fun to uh, finally talk to you. I know we've gone back and forth a little bit on uh, Instagram. And in fact, this morning I was commenting on one of your posts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to dive right into it and ask you the question I ask everybody right off the bat is... Uh, how did you get started with the game of hockey other than the obvious, you know, you're a ca- yep. Canadian born kid. So it's kind of a birthright, but w- what got you into, into the game? Yeah, I think, I mean, my whole family played my, my father, um, my uncles, uh, my cousins, and then all my friends. I mean, we grew up, I'm from small town, Saskatchewan. So it's just kind of what you did was play sports. Um, yep. I had a rink at the side of my house. So winter time was always hockey season. And then, they would take the ice out and then it was right into baseball. So um, I think just all my friends were super athletic. It was kind of a um, community thing as well. It's what you did to stay busy. There wasn't much else going on. So it was just, I think, a natural thing like most Canadian kids. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you talk about once the, the ice is out, then it was baseball. And baseball is America's pastime. We know that. But I, I think people forget how big baseball actually is in Canada. It, it's it's not a niche sport up there by any means. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, we played 
all summer. That's what we did. We didn't touch the hockey equipment from basically when the season ended, probably I'm guessing sometime early spring all the way through summer until probably mid late September, I would guess it was baseball season. And we did that um, pretty much our whole, whole childhood. I think I played baseball um, every summer until I was probably like 14, maybe. Yeah. Um, um, And that was just standard across, across the province of Saskatchewan. I mean, a lot of those small towns, they just, they couldn't afford to keep the ice in year round. So the ice was out. You couldn't even think about getting on uh, into the rink at all. That was probably good because we see it all the time. You talk to elite athletes and they talk about how, you know, they were multi-sport athletes. You know, they would put the skates away for the summer or in the fall to play football or something like that. And the importance of being a well-rounded athlete and not just a specialized athlete that we're seeing all the way down to like the mites now. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, was a huge advantage for myself. Um, You learn different skill sets. You just become more athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, overall you learn to problem solve. Um, I do think that's a, a big issue with what we see, um, with the youth kids now, um, is even just with injury stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, I think it was a massive, a massive benefit. I think for, for a lot of the kids that I would have grown up with too, like once hockey season, um, was around the corner, we were so excited to get back on the ice. Yeah. Um, so it, it almost like just fueled your hunger a little bit more and um, it kept it fresh. So there probably wasn't as much burnout because we just physically we weren't able to do it year round. Yeah. And it's funny because I've taken some of the USA hockey classes and granted it's been a while now, but, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were advocating for just that. You know, kids are getting burnt out at such a young age because we have them playing year round. Now, if they're they're like me and they're telling mom and dad, I want to play around year round. That's a different story. But when we're making our kids play year round or some of these associations where it's like, you have no chance playing a on the A team. If you don't come to our summer program, it's ridiculous. Let, let these kids try the other sports or God forbid, have a summer and, you know, spend time at the lake with grandma and grandpa yeah. or go on a family vacation. You know, let's not punish them for being kids. Yeah. And I, I think the, um, I think a big issue is like, I completely understand it. There, you could dive into a whole different subject just with obviously the rink business and all that. Um, yeah. The associations, um, how they operate. Um, I don't disagree with you. I think year round hockey is definitely um, not what we want, um, especially if it's super organized. I think if it's you're going out with some friends and you're just like almost like ad libbing unorganized they're going out and doing it on their own i'm completely on board with that but when everything is a coached setting um it's organized it's almost like a mandatory thing where it's like hey you don't show up you're not going to make the team i don't think that is yeah because i think there's a lot of um a lot of advantages figuring things out on your own a little bit yeah i know for myself growing up i wouldn't have had a ton of coaching and myself and my friends, we were just been playing all the time. And that would have been like our private training, our private lessons, just playing on the street or doing it on someone's backyard rink or whatever it was. Um, so we could try things. There was no pressure. There was no one going to yell at us. It was just doing what we did, have fun, try do things, get creative. Um, and I do think that helped us out in the long term. Well, yeah, that, that value of unstructured play, we, we hear – 
some people talk about it, you know, that that's where they, they learn those skills, you know, Patrick Kane, unstructured play. That's how he got good at stick handling. Um, you know, in, in that unstructured play where you don't have a coach saying you need to be here, you're looking for the open ice just instinctively. And now that that carries over and we see it with some of these kids where all they do is have structured coach hockey. Yep. And if, if that route that they're told they should be taking all the time is an open, it's almost like they skate right into another player because they don't know what to do. They they're, they're not seeing the, the ice the way a, a Wayne Gretzky did yep. of, you know, don't, don't go where the puck is, go where the puck is going. Yep. No, um, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree with more with that. So, you know, you're, you're playing hockey in Saskatchewan because that's what Canadian kids do in the winter time. Uh, what, what drew you to the blue paint? Um, so originally I didn't have any interest in it, to be honest. Um, one of our goalies, we only had one per team. The town I grew up in was 750 people. So we had one goalie. He left, um, I want to say it's maybe around Thanksgiving time to go to a goalie school. So we didn't have anybody else to play and we had games. Um, so my dad was the coach and he's like, well, you're going in. <laughs> so I played my first experience with it. I was awful. I mean, we played an all girls team. Um, this would have been maybe first, second year squirt. And we just got destroyed. I think we lost like maybe 11 one. So that was my first experience. Um, I didn't play again that whole year until the following year. And then kind of similar situation happened. Um, we tried and I actually did really well. And I think we won the game. So then I ended up playing goal the next game, did really well again. And then I pretty much finished that year playing, um, just splitting half year, um, half playing goal, half playing as a forward or D. And then my second year peewee, I switched to goal full time. As a goalie coach now, how important do you think it is for goalies at those younger ages to split their time between playing in net and skating out and learning the game? I think it's huge just from the skating piece mm-hmm. um, and the athleticism piece, right? Like you look at um, all the best goalies in the NHL, especially now they're super athletic. Um, they are structured, but they can move. They can think um, they're not just robotic, right? Where it's like, be here, be here, be here. It's, they just have a whole different element to them. Um, I think it's huge. I think all kids should do it. Um, I'm not saying don't be a goalie full-time if you absolutely love it and that's the only position you want to play. We obviously want to encourage that as well. But I think then you have to go out and find other ways to add Mm -hmm. those skills to your game. Um, So I think it's a great thing. I know it helped me big time. Um, You just think the game a different way. You understand the other positions so that when you do become a goalie, you almost understand what other players are thinking or looking for in different situations. So I think it's a huge advantage long-term. And I know there's other goalies um, in the NHL who have said the same thing. I think it was Braden Holpe who said his dad didn't let him play goal full-time until he was older, and he thought it was a huge advantage. So um, just from the skating side of it, um, it's a huge advantage. Well, I know for me, because when when I was a squirt, it was half and half, and just – learning the game, you know, from playing out and understanding the systems and why, you know, 
I didn't maybe understand it at the time, but I, I was subconsciously learning it. Yep. Um, so as I got older, I was like, I understand why they're doing this. And it, it helps you with that anticipation. You understand what should be happening. And, you know, we, we can sit in those team meetings and go through the systems and all of that and understand it on some level. But when you act, I'm a visual learner. So me actually walking through it helped me learn, learn those pieces. And it just, it, it helps us as a goalie. And it's always funny that I felt even when I played college where we'd be talking to our teammates going, you know, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And every once in a while you get that one teammate that's like, what do you know? You're just a goalie. You know, yeah. Yeah. We, you don't listen to us when we tell you to keep your glove open or something like that. And it's like, no, because you know nothing about goaltending. But for us to, before we can understand our position, we have to understand all of yours first. And some, some guys just don't get that. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a great thing. I know for me, it definitely definitely helped me out with my development long term. So you're you're playing hockey in Canada. You decide, you know, eventually you're going to play goalie full time. What 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 was it? You know, because you were kind of going half and half, um, and you got into the position. I could say begrudgingly. At what point were you like, you know what? No, I'm a goalie. This is where I belong. Um, to be honest, I think it was more my dad. Like, I think he probably looked at me and I was just like a tall, gangly kid, wasn't very strong, super skinny. Um, obviously, when I was growing up, like the game was very physical, big guys, strong guys, like a lot of hitting, um, fighting. I would say it's a little more rugged, um, mm-hmm. obviously, than it is now. Yeah. Um, so I think he probably looked at almost my body type, my, uh, my mental makeup I was like, all right, this kid, I don't want to call myself soft, but obviously I wasn't like the most physically gifted person. Um, he's probably like, well, if he's going to go somewhere with this, it's probably going to be as a goalie. So I think he kind of nudged me, um, toward that, towards that. And I think just after a while, I just kind of was like, yeah, like if I'm going to make something of this, like I'm clearly going to have to play play goal so we just kind of stuck with it and I was having a little bit of success I enjoyed it um I actually enjoyed playing both but I think I just kind of saw I mean the long-term benefit was probably going to be between the pipes when you said he 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 saw you know your makeup I thought you were going to talk about uh you were weird or something like that you had the mental makeup of a goalie Oh, I probably did. But no, I think he just saw me like I was, if you look at like my uh, dad's side of the family, like my uncles, my cousins are all like tall, super skinny. Like I would have been probably in my senior year of high school, like six feet, 140 pounds, like just super skinny. Um, So, I mean, if you look at that kind of side of things, it's like, yeah, he's, he's going to be a goalie if he wants to keep advancing. And yeah. Yeah, we, we had the similar build. My, my college, I say my playing weight, I was 5'10", 155, but I was probably closer to that 145. And uh remember we were on the bus going to our first away game and they always had like a uh, program. And so our coach had to get our height and weight and stuff for, for the other team's uh, media guy. And so he's got the clipboard going through the bus and he's like, now be honest with yourself. And I had a teammate that was about the same build as me. He goes, so I can't put on there that I'm 6'1", 225. (laughs) He's like, not a chance in hell. Um, But yeah, you know, here I am 
23 years later, I've put on 50 pounds and now I just look like I'm a normal person, not yeah. a string bean. Uh, people can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm 50 pounds heavier than when I was in college. And they're like, yeah. but, but you look like a normal weight now. It's like, yes, I'm a normal weight now. I was yeah, that. It's up to you once you get older. <laughs> now it's not an issue. So you yeah. got to go the other way. Oh, God. It's, yeah. I, I, I don't even step on the scale anymore. I'm like, I'm 42. It doesn't matter <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, so you, you're playing hockey in Canada. Um, and, and I think for a lot of Canadian kids, they, they try and go and play junior. But you went and played college hockey in the States, the Colorado. What made you go the college route instead of juniors? Yeah, I mean, I had the opportunity to go um, to the WHL. Um, I would say... I don't want to say it was a last minute decision, but I think a lot of it for me, I was just a late developer. Like I started playing the position late. Um, I got cut from my midget AAA team in my hometown my first year. I wouldn't say I really popped until um, my second year midget. So for me, just kind of looking at the situation, I probably didn't think I was ready to play mm -hmm. um major juniors. Like I, I always like had that on such a pedestal where I didn't really think I was good enough to do it um, at that age. And I also knew that if I was going to go, like I needed to have an excellent year. I would have been going in as an 18 year old, um, which isn't old, but it's not young, but I needed to have a really big first year. Otherwise who knows what could have happened. So I think I just looked at it as extending my runway a little bit. Um, I was always intrigued by, by college. One of the hockey schools I went to growing up, um, they had an instructor, um, whose name was Colin Schmidt, who went to Colorado college. And I always just looked up to Colin, um, every year I went to this hockey school, he was great. And I just became enthralled with it a little bit, I guess. And that's just why I decided to do it. Plus, I mean, my dad's a teacher, um, education was always super important. So yeah. that's the reason why I was leaning that direction. Well, and I mean, we're, we're almost the same age. In fact, I graduated the year you started college. And at that time, CC, you know, they were one of the powerhouses. The storied tradition, you know, so, so they were a good program. And I, what I love about college hockey is the football schedule, as I like to call it. Yep. You play your games on the weekend, so it's so focused on development and becoming a better better player over those four years. So there, there is that aspect to it too. Yep. But you mentioned the education side of it. Uh, I, I always like to ask this of the goalies that did go to the college route, you know, what did you study for those four years? Yep. So I was an economics major. Um, so CC, it's a small liberal arts school. Um, I don't want to say there's not a lot of options, but I mean, that was basically their business degree. And that was something I was always um, super interested in. Most of the guys would do, um, they would do economics. History was obviously a big one. We had a few English majors, a couple pre-med students, but a lot of us gravitated towards the econ. A lot of numbers. <laughs> it's funny, like math is not my forte, but now my day job is an analyst. So all I do is look at numbers, but I'm yeah. like, I, I don't have... I shouldn't say I don't have to do the formulas. I do an awful lot of Excel formulas, but it's like, I don't need to know, you know, true math. It's just, yeah. how do I run this Excel formula to do the math for me? Exactly. <laughs> um, so you're spending your four years at CC. And then at the end of uh, the time, you get the opportunity to turn pro. Um, how did that opportunity come about? Um, 
Yeah, I think I just had a fairly good college career overall, I would say. Um, I was originally drafted by the Kings. Um, their management changed over, um, I want to say, my junior year. Um, mm-hmm. So I became a free agent after my senior year because LA didn't want to sign me. And it would have been later in the summer. The Rangers um, contacted my agent, made me an offer. It was the only one I got, took it. And yeah, that kind of got the ball rolling with them. You know, and, and I mean, you got to play for some teams that uh, A, have great uniforms. Uh, as a goalie, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's always one of the things we think about is how am I going to look in that? Yeah, um, sure. But you, you were able to, you know, get some games and, and you, you do wind up making it to the NHL. You get get to do something every every hockey player hopes and play a game in the NHL. Um, what was it like when you got that call to say, hey, we need you at the big club? Um, I mean, it was great. Obviously, it's a dream come true. Um, yeah. Everyone. Um, yeah, I think I was just super, super excited overall um, just to experience it. I mean, I had no expectations of playing. I knew I was going to go in and um, be backing up. Um, just happened to be one of those games where things weren't going our way. Um, and Henrik got pulled. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, it's definitely something I'll never forget. You, mean, you work your whole life when you're playing to kind of get to that level, whether it's for 15 years or 10 yep. minutes, whatever it is, you get a step on that ice. It's definitely a feeling of satisfaction. Um, but to be honest, the way my situation worked with um, Lundqvist getting pulled, it wasn't really like something you prepare yourself for. It's just kind of like, Hey, you're going in and yeah. in the middle of the period. So for me, it wasn't really much time to think. It was more just like, all right, here we go. And it was in and, um, yeah, you just kind of do your thing. And to be honest, it's probably the great way just to kind of get your feet wet. Um, with yeah. that. That's just because you don't have any time to really think about it. You're just going and the adrenaline kicks in and yeah, you just, you just play. So, you know, Henrik is considered one of the greats of that era. Um, the, the little bit of time you had to be around him, you know, what were you able to absorb from him and learn from him? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously one of the um, best guys to probably ever do it. Um, he was probably the first guy I really ever personally stepped on the ice with where I was like, Oh, he's on a completely different planet than everyone else. Um, I think it was just his work ethic, the way, uh, way he was in practice. Like he was super competitive. He wasn't letting anything in. Um, and I think if you talk to any of the other goalies that would have been around him for a little bit, um, they'd say the same thing, just how uber competitive he was, how he just hated getting scored on, um, no matter what, if it was in practice or morning skater or whatever, he was just dialed in the whole time. So yeah, he's he's special. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned how he hated getting scored on, whether it be practice or whatnot, and we hear that of all the greats of the game, Hoshik, Belfour, Wa, they hated getting scored on in practice and even warm-ups. I mean, there's the legendary stories of Hoshik who, where he wouldn't let a goal in in warm-ups. Um, and if he did, he'd get upset. It, you know, it's that that's kind of the difference is that that drive, not just during the game, but they're, they're always competing. Yeah, no question. I think all the greats have it. I think it's like the most basic underlying thing about the position is you just absolutely have to despise getting scored on. Oh yeah. Well, and not even that, just the competition, not wanting to lose. I was talking to um, uh, 
McKeegan, and he was talking about when he had Belfour out to a summer training session, he's running, you know, sprints and stuff with these bantams and, you know, younger kids. And this one bantam was just fast and Belfour wasn't going to let him beat him. He's like, no, I am not going to lose at anything I do. And yeah. there, there was no need for him to be like that, but that that's just that what separates the great from the good. Yeah. So you get that game in the NHL and, and then you, you extend your career and, you know, play a couple of years overseas. Uh, and I think that's one thing more and more goalies are starting to realize that, you know, yeah, we all want to play in the NHL. Yeah. We, we want to play pro hockey, but there's some really good pro hockey overseas that uh, we're starting to open our eyes to uh, what was that experience like not just getting to extend the career but you're now in a different culture different languages you know a completely different situation until you step on the ice yep yeah I mean I loved it um, my last year um, in Hartford wasn't great so I kind of had a feeling that um my North American career would probably be over in some ways, just based on the season I had. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like started poking around or giving it some thought um, towards the end of the year about going to Europe. Um, I personally loved my experience. I thought it was um, fantastic. I think anyone who gets that opportunity, whether it's through hockey or just in life, should have to go through something like that. Um, it just gives you a whole new perspective on things, right? It's very humbling. Um, especially if you're in a place that doesn't speak much English, um, you're learning to communicate with people um, just on a daily basis. And I think it just changes you as a person. Um, I was very fortunate to be in two great cities. I love Balzano. Um, I love Vienna. Um, and I can't say enough good things about uh, both cities and both experiences. I had phenomenal teammates, great organizations. Um, I would have stayed in probably either place the rest of my life if I could. Well, I was going to say two pretty picturesque cities that you were in for a yeah. while. Um, there's worse places you could have been. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, think, that, that's for sure. Yeah. I think that was um, being able to live where I did was just fantastic all around. I, I really can't say enough about the people that I played with, the teammates I was with, the fans. I was treated top notch in, in both experiences. Um, and it was very hard to be honest. The hardest part about playing overseas for that long was, was coming back to North America and getting kind of acclimated back to the North American lifestyle. That was very difficult after being in Europe for five years. Now, when you say getting acclimated to the North American lifestyle, what was it that was different? Um, it's just a, it's just a faster pace, right? We're always on the go. Um, we want stuff done now. Um, you're driving everywhere as opposed to kind of taking the train or being able to walk. It's just a completely different pace lifestyle. Um, and I would say my first year in Italy, there was definitely a little bit of that culture shock just because it is slower. Um, mm -hmm. It was the siesta, things aren't open. Um, but then once you get used to it, you're like, wow, this is kind of nice. You're not in a hurry. Um, so yeah, coming back is like all of a sudden you're back into the rat race a little bit more where it's just go, 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 go. Yeah. Well, th th that's ex making a little more sense on why you wound up uh, back in Colorado, because I haven't been in many places in the U.S., but uh, Colorado has a little bit of that, you know, slower pace, but, you know, enjoy 
nature, enjoy what's around you. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that makes a little bit of sense. So af- after your playing career ends, you do come back to Colorado, not Saskatchewan. Yep. Um, to start coaching, you know, what made you decide on Colorado over going home to Saskatchewan or someplace else? It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Yeah, so originally I was only planning on being in Colorado for probably the summer. Um, I wasn't really planning on retiring. I was just one of my best friends. He um, was my captain at CC. He's from Colorado Springs, where CC is located. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, Matt, just come back for the summer. We'll go fishing all the time. We'll hang out. We'll hit the gym. It'll just be a great summer. So um, it was just myself and um, – my fiance at the time. So I was like, Hey, we're just going to go back to Colorado for the summer. I'm going to rehab. We'll be back in Europe. Um, once that's over, it'll just be like a short term thing. Yeah. Um, so while I was rehabbing the school, um, they needed a goalie coach. And I originally was just like, nah, I'm not interested. I'm going to play next year. But as kind of the rehab got going, I'll never forget. It. I was just riding one of those combat bikes and I was going through the program and I just remember like thinking in my head, like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I literally got off the bike. I walked upstairs to the coach's office and I was like, it was um, Mike Havlin at the time. I was like, Hey, I'm in, I'm ready. He's like, all right, let's go. And then that's how I became the CC goalie coach. And we just kind of haven't looked back um, as far as the coaching goes. Well, it, yeah, it, it's funny because there, there is that as we get older, um, that point where we're like, why are we putting ourselves through this? There's a few nights in the beer leagues where I'm like, God, I'm, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. What's going on? And then I'm like, I still love it. And yeah. I mean, for me, I think it was a situation where I looked at it just from like, um, long-term perspective more. I was 32 turning 33. Uh, I was just coming off hip surgery. Um, I didn't have a contract. I just lived in Vienna, Austria for three years, which is an unbelievable city. Yeah, I talked about it with Lauren. I was like, hey, like, if I'm going to play, like, I'm not just going back to Europe to play and live somewhere. I'm not excited about living. Like, I want this to be a good experience. And if that's not going to happen, like, I'd rather just start um, our second phase of life, which is going to happen in probably two to three years max anyway. Um, So that's kind of was the big deciding factor. I wasn't just going to go to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Because I knew I was going to have to work um afterwards anyway so i was either gonna play a couple more years extend that or i was like you know what we're just gonna have to jump into the second phase of life and get a kickstart in this coaching thing at 32 as opposed to maybe like 36 37 
Yeah, well, it, it's funny you say it because when I was coaching high school hockey here in Minnesota, one of the guys I coached with, he he played uh, after college, he went and played in the ECHL. And this was during the NHL lockout. So you had NHL players playing down in the ECHL. Yep. And he was kind of like any other year, he's probably playing in the AHL, but uh, because of things. Uh, but he played for three different teams in that season. He played and he had offers at the end of the season, but uh, he was like, you know what? This is as far as I'm going to go. And I, I can start my next phase now. And, and he said the big reason was his uh, girlfriend, now wife, um, moved with them three times that year. And yep. she put her life on hold. He's like, I did it. You know what? I know what I want to do afterwards. I can yep. start that now. There's that opportunity. And now uh, it's funny because I went to one of my kids, uh, uh, took my kids to their football game because they're both in high school now. And he's now their athletic director. He's walking along the sidelines and my kids are like, you know, people everywhere. Cause here I start talking to him. I'm like, Hey, I, I know your athletic director. They're like, no, you don't. And like, he spots me and we start talking. And my daughter's like, you really do know everybody. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. I can't even come to my own school without you knowing somebody. It's like, we used to coach together. Like he was around when you were born. He was excited when you were born kid, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that I don't think people realize, you know, with athletes, it's like, at some point you're like, I can keep playing, but there is this life after hockey and it needs to start at some point. And it's kind of like those junior hockey players that go and play college and, you know, they're the, 21 22 year old freshman and they're like what am i doing here <laughs> yeah, sure. um, but you, you get started in coaching you know you got your goalie school out there in colorado with i, I think one of the coolest logos i say that as a marketing person it's just Thank an awesome you. logo um you know but that's going well you've coached one of my favorite goalies and Justin Goldman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's it like working with a guy like Justin? I said, because not always Justin a good goalie, but he also puts on his goalie summit every year. Yeah. You know, what's it like working with a guy like Justin? I personally love the adults. Um, yeah. When you're in the private lesson stuff, you're dealing with all sorts of different types of people who are walking through the door. Every hour is different. So you're dealing with the kids who it's maybe more parent driven. You're dealing with more kid driven. Like the, the challenges each hour um, are always changing. So when the adults come in, A, you know they want to be there because they're signing up themselves. <laughs> yeah. So mom or dad pushing them to do it. So they really want to be there and they really want to get better. So they're always asking a lot of questions. They're always engaged. They want to know the newest stuff. And a lot of it too, they just want to talk shop and, um, and kind of get better and learn the new techniques. Because when we were all growing up, like kind of like the mid thirties or older, the technique changed so much. It was still skate saves. The butterfly was still coming in. The pads weren't designed to slide um the way you can now so it was almost it's a completely different coaching experience for them so just yep. the littlest things um are so valuable just getting up with the proper leg or even t-pushing or shuffling like a certain way it's something so foreign to a lot of the adult goalies um, but justin's been great he's been a great sounding board for me we actually um, i don't know how much 
goalie training we're actually doing. It's almost more just uh, bouncing ideas off one another. And we have great conversations. I really actually, in the last probably three years of getting to know Justin, I mean, I think we've developed a pretty good friendship. Um, he's got some great insights as far as learning goes. Yep. Um, so I think I enjoy those hours just as much as he does, just based on the conversation and the way he thinks about teaching not necessarily goalies, but just like the way people learn and how you have to teach and adapt, I think is valuable for anyone who's in the coaching world to, to kind of learn. Um, especially if you have a growth mindset, right? You got to try to get better each yeah. time. Everyone learns so differently that yep. you can't approach each person the same way. Yeah. And I, I love that you do offer lessons for the older goalies because I can't find that here in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, in fact, I, I was talking to Steve Carroll, and he's like, I want to do it, but honestly, the, the insurance for him to work with the older goalies yeah. is it's not worth it. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, like you said, we, we were caught skate saves, two-pad stats. Yeah. Post coverage for us was hugging the post, standing up, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't have to worry about a Michigan getting scored on me because of the way I cover the post. But, yeah. you know, learning an RBH would be nice. I still struggle mightily with, you know, the butterfly slide because that wasn't a thing when we were learning to play. Um, and it would be nice to have more than the two minute warmups to work on it. Um, but yeah, that, that's um, just not a thing. Yeah. No, we, I personally love the adult goalies. I've said this probably since day one, anytime an adult goalie comes in and asks me, I don't get offended, but they're always like, do you work with adults? And I was like, I prefer to work with the adult boys. <laughs> and they just kind of chuckle because it is such a different experience. I mean, I love it. I love every time the adults come in. We probably have five or six just men's league guys that come in on a regular basis and skate. Um, sometimes they just want to chat um, about things. And I'm almost like one guy referred to it as I'm like his bartender or his barber. He just comes <laughs> in and it's not about the goaltending. It's just about like um, venting. Yeah. Um, and I think of the adult guys, we just developed such a good relationship with because it is such a different, different experience. And I think a lot of the reasons why I even started skating again, it was just seeing all the adult guys coming through, just loving the position. I was like, man, these guys are loving it. They're having fun. Like, why shouldn't we be skating too? Yeah. Well, and it's probably a different experience because it's their money. You know, when these kids come through the door, yeah. it's, it's mom and dad's money, but it reminds me of, uh, I went to an all boys Catholic high school and freshman year uh, history class, the uh, first day of school, the teacher asked the kids, you know, how many of you are paying your own tuition? Cause there are always a few that were working and doing that. And like two hands went up and he goes, okay, you two are the only ones allowed to sleep in my class. Cause you're wasting your own money. <laughs> and you know, but there, there was something to that when you're spending your own money, you're going to be a little more attentive. You're, you're going to get more out of it than when it's mom. Now I'm not saying every kid is, you know, just kind of like whatever it's mom and dad's money. Uh, Cause I, I wasn't that kid. I, I just, I loved the position. I couldn't get enough of it. Um, but yeah, you know, us peer leaders, we're, we're there for a purpose. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly it. It's a different motivation. Right. And like, you can see it right away with kids and families who are walking through the door, like why certain kids are there, um, yeah. whether it's self-motivated parent, more, more parent motivated. Um, you can get that vibe. Um, you see it right away. Um, 
with the adult people, if they're coming, you know exactly why they're coming. They sign themselves up. They want to be there. They're paying for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's no no secret because at the end of the day, if they didn't want to be there, they weren't coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to, to take that a step further, you know, if I were in Colorado, I, I would probably want to get a few few sessions with you, but I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still able to learn a heck of a lot from you because you have a great Instagram account <laughs> where, you know, you share some fun stuff, but you, and you go over, you know, clips from the NHL. Like this morning, you were sharing a post of a stick save asking, you know, does this get made with a foam core stick? I say yes, because I've made that yeah. save. But like I said, I've made that save in the beer league. So the shots are a little bit different. But um, you're also sharing tips, modifications on equipment, stuff like that, that us purely goalies, we can think about it because, and like so, we can try it in that two minute warm up we get yep. each each game because most of us aren't taking the shots in that warm up because they're either not eight missing the net or at our head. So we're working on something in the corner, and you know, you you break it down in a way that we can understand it. The kids that are following you can understand it, and not all a lot of the uh, goalie coaches do that. Yeah, I think um, so. Obviously, my business partners, Curtis McElhaney, Curtis, yeah. and I were uh, goalie partners at CC. Um, we're good friends. So we didn't really put much emphasis on social media until Curtis um, kind of joined the business, would have been pretty much a year ago, mm-hmm. um, February. Um, and we were just talking about the direction we wanted to go with it, what the plan was. I mean, I never really placed a huge emphasis on it because we were so busy with our lessons and working with the association. Like, eh, it doesn't really have an effect on my day to day. I mean, I yeah. get, the, I was like, I understood the value of it because my wife's a social media marketer, <laughs> but it was just like, uh, just another thing on my personal plate that yeah. I just don't really want to deal with. And so Curtis and I started talking about it. Um, and with us opening our new um, facility, um, pretty much in the next month or so, we're like, all right, we're going down this road. We're going to just something we have to do. Um, so the big discussion was, well, if we're going to do this, we need to have a different voice than all the other goalie coach accounts out there. We follow yeah. a lot of them. Everyone else follows a lot of them. Um, it's a lot of drill based. It's a lot of coaching based, which is yep. great. I think there is value in that. I think it just depends on what voice you want to have and, I think for me and Curtis, when we talked about it, I was like, hey, we're just going to make this authentic. Um, you probably follow Curtis's account. He's yep. probably a little more, um, I don't want to say introverted, but he's deaf. He was an English type major. Um, so he's a really good writer. If you read those posts, I mean, they're just awesome. I think they really yeah. they hit really well. And then you see the business account. It's obviously light. It's playful. Um, we like to poke fun at goalies. We like to poke fun at ourselves. We like to talk about the gear. We wanted to make it more of like a lifestyle type thing and just kind of make, um, make goaltending fun a little bit. I always felt like the social media side of goaltending was always, always so serious. Yes. Um, where someone would post a drill and there'd be like 50 comments of everyone just ripping apart the drill or this is dumb or like, look at this guy's technique, all that stuff. And that, to be honest, is where the comment section coaches stuff came from, because I knew as someone who is going to be 40 next year, (laughs) I know 
I'm definitely not as good as I was when I would have been playing. So I was like, well, I was like, Mac, if I'm going to start skating and I'm going to open myself up to people ripping me, I'm calling everyone coach. So they yeah. better be able to back it up. So, hey, if you're going to come at me, I'm completely cool with it. I think I have a great sense of humor. I can make fun of myself. But you better be prepared because I'm going to call you coach and you're going to have to back this up. Yeah. <laughs> Tendy Talk listeners, this time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change. If that's something you can use every day, like my Raycon earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point. So you can build great habits without breaking the bank. My kids love that they don't have to listen listen to my Irish punk music because of them. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, something my son would be into, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or pair and a spare, kind of like the British royalty, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now pay later options every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee as well options like three customizable sound profiles noise isolation and crystal clear call quality are all part of their products ready to buy something small with a big impact go to buyraycon.com thpn today and get 15 percent off your raycon order that's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, and then we've just been, kind of been rolling with it. Like I said, we want it to be fun. We want it to be light. We want it to be a different voice in the goalie community. Um, we don't want to take ourselves too serious. And I think at the end of the day, we want people to see that we just love the position. Well, and one of the ways you're having fun with it is the blue skates. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> clearly an old pair of like rentals from yep. an arena, but like the timing was perfect with the release of the connect skates. Um, yep. First of all, where the heck did you find those rusted old things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I actually got them in um, Kearney, Nebraska at the Viero Center where I coach with the Tri-City Storm. They have this big wall of just rental skates. And um, I spend a lot of day, like, I think what people don't understand with social media sometimes, it's like, if you're going to do social media, like, it takes a lot of thought as far yeah. as both the content and planning. Like, I think that's always the thing. Um, if I would have looked at the stuff I was posting before, I was posting just to post. Like, I wasn't given any thought as far as, like, Hey, this is going to be our audience, or this is the message. It was just like, all right, I'm going to post something to post something. Where now it's like when I'm in my car driving or just at home after my kids are in bed, I'm like, 
thinking of maybe different things we can do or different storylines or whatever it is. So it is like a thought process behind everything we're doing. And I think that's why we're having a little success with it. Um, but yeah, back to the skates, there's this big wall of rental skates. And I was walking out of the coach's office and you have to walk past this wall each time. Yeah. And I just saw a bunch of the blue ones and I started laughing to myself especially after I grabbed one out of the shelf and I went up to, um, went up to the office, um, where the business managers, Mike Lucas, awesome guy. And I was like, his son's a goalie as well. I was like, Hey Mike, I was like, I'm going to ask you the dumbest thing probably you're ever going to hear today, but I'm being dead serious. And he just, we've known each other for a while. So he got a big smile. He's like, Oh, what Zab's up to now? I was like, can I take a pair of these blue rental skates? I need them. Yeah. <laughs> And he started laughing. He's like, absolutely. So after I posted the first video, he called me instantly. And I was like, dude, I'm literally dying upstairs in the Euro Center. Are you wearing these? And that's kind of like, it was a storyline that kept going a little bit. Um, yep. To be honest, I was hoping it would have died off by now. But it's one of those things where I started wearing them so regularly. Now, if I don't, people are like, hey, man, where are your blue skates? Like, let's go here. <laughs> oh, it's kind of this uh, dichotomy I'm stuck in, but it, we're having fun with it. Like I said, it just it's yeah. just keeping it light. It's a it's a different take on things, and I think people are finding it refreshing. Well, and you know, you were talking earlier about like thinking about the social media. Clearly, your wife work, as you said, works in social media, and whatever she's saying to you is sinking in because you're starting to think like a social media. Yeah uh planner well uh, and the yeah. skates fit right into it yeah i think the biggest thing like if you actually like look at social media as more of a marketing thing mm-hmm. uh, it kind of changes your perspective on it like that's yeah. the one thing i look at with the other coaches on instagram um is there a coaching account as yeah. far as they post drills it's educational or we don't want to be that. Like, I think we're having a good mix where if you actually really watch what we're doing on social media, like all the skating drills and the drills we're showing are legit. Yep. So you're getting like the legit coaching stuff. But you're 80 also, 20 rule. Yeah. But you're also getting the fun, light side of it that it's like, oh, I actually like watching this as opposed to another drill where you're just kind of scrolling through your phone. Yeah. And, you know, let's not ignore the old school skates you started wearing every now and then, too. <laughs> Not just the blue skates. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see the, the old uh, equipment with the new stuff. Um, but it, it's great. And, you know, as a beer league goalie, I love it, especially now because I work in marketing as an analyst. So knowing that, you know, you're doing this intentionally um, makes so much sense. And, yeah, I, I follow quite a few of the other goalie coaches out there. And so many of them, to your point, are coaching they're they're not utilizing this social media tool as a marketing opportunity too to to bring in more business because at the end of the day that that's how they they make money is coaching yeah. uh so you, you got to always have people coming through the door yeah um and i think like a lot of the i follow obviously a lot of the coaching accounts oh yeah or a lot of the guys all the drills are are really good it just depends on what kind of voice you want to have you mm-hmm. know for me my personality um i mean what you're seeing on instagram i think for anyone who knows me that's exactly who i am so Mm -hmm. i think it makes it even funnier 
um, yeah. as you get to know me because I go, oh, God, like my wife definitely thinks I'm an idiot <laughs> after she watches them. But I mean, I think that's the side of it that I personally want to show. Like when someone um, comes through the door, right, it's their first time kind of working in a private lesson with a coach. It can be intimidating. You don't know what to think. There's like a little bit of a nervous energy. You don't know if they're going to be like yelling at you, serious, yeah. or what is it? And then I think if you see what we're kind of doing or what I'm kind of doing on social media, like you're probably going to come in and smile because there's an instant icebreaker already. Right. Yeah. Like, no, it's going to be, Hey, I'm going to get some good information, but like this guy's going to be a little lighthearted and going to mess around. Like, um, I think that's why we've actually had a lot more adults mm -hmm. come through probably since we started, because it's a very non-threatening, um, environment to come in and train and learn I, I appreciate that you said your wife sometimes thinks that you're a moron because my wife does too there there was one video I put out I think it was like two three years ago where one of the neighbor kids he's a squirt goalie now he's also you know so I reached out to his mom and like does Oren want to have some fun with me and she's like what are you thinking and I said I want him to come over with this equipment put it on and we're going to go tobogganing in the backyard and yeah. video it. And she's like, absolutely. Didn't <laughs> tell my wife about this. So then I post the video of me and Oren tobogganing in our backyard in full goalie equipment. And she's like, can you at least let me know when you're going to do this stuff so that I can let the neighbors know that like, you're okay. We don't need to take you to some kind of mental institutions. Like, okay. And then uh, it, on my 40th birthday, so just over two years ago, I had my birthday off. We had the backyard rink and I had shown my kids the video of Steve Carell being the, you know, practicing as a goalie by himself. And yep. they're like, dad, this is awesome. We need to recreate it. So they actually had the day off of school and I had, took the day off of work because uh, it was my birthday, my 40th birthday. And we recreated that whole video clip by clip and my wife saw us out there. She's like, what are they doing now? Uh, especially when we brought the dog out to like pull the puck um, and put it together. And she's like, you guys are morons, but that was pretty good. <laughs> you know? She's like, it's you doing you, whatever. Uh, and, and I think when they, they call us morons or idiots about it, it's a term of endearment. Like, yeah. I mean, with Warren, with you? <laughs> yeah, with Warren, like I run, pretty much a lot of ideas by her. I'm like, Hey, like, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And she'll shake her head, but she'll laugh because she knows it's me. Yeah. Um, that's the thing, which I think makes it work is just the authenticity behind it. Like that's exactly who I am on there. All the stories that I talk about uh, are a hundred percent. They happen. So I yeah. think sometimes like for the people who know me and know the stories, like they start laughing because they're probably like, I can't believe he's talking about this. Yeah. And then probably the other people who wouldn't know me personally are probably left thinking like, is that real? Um, so it's, it's fun. I mean, for me, it's been something that I've just dove into probably for the last year as far as like, Hey, if I'm going to do this, like I'm going to really put some thought behind it. I really want this to be good. I don't want this to be just like, another page or yeah. another account that people are scrolling by. Like if we're going to do this, we're going to do this the right way. Um, so we've definitely done a lot of research, definitely been studying a lot of the other successful accounts as far as like what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, 
obviously having Lauren there to help me out as far as um, bouncing off ideas or questions has been a great resource um, for myself. And then I think just having, having fun with it um, and not being scared to put yourself out there. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny too, because there are times where I remind my wife, like, you knew I was a goalie when you married me, <laughs> um, you know, but to your point too, is like, yeah, we need to, um, look at what other people are doing. And part of what I like to do is, you know, have intention uh, for one and not just put stuff out there to put it out there. You know, and I don't want to mimic what other people are doing just so that I'm posting regularly. You know, sometimes like this weekend, I'm going to probably put a lot of stuff out there because this afternoon, me and my son are flying out to North Carolina and be with my dad and go to the stadium series. So I'm going to have a lot to put out there, but sometimes it's just, you know, my podcast every week, you know, there's nothing in between. It's like, I'm not just going to post stuff to post stuff. It's there's going to be intention. Yeah. I think that, I think that is the biggest thing um, with the social media stuff is you have to have a plan for it. Yeah. Um, Especially if you want to have success. I know there's a lot of people um, that have reached out ever since like we've started posting and been like, Hey man, like you guys are obviously getting some traction. Like I'd love to pick your brain about this. I don't think people realize sometimes how much work and thought goes into that. Like, yeah. um, we have a schedule um, that I'm filming on just to make sure we can fill enough content for the week. I mean, there's definitely ideas I'm always jotting down uh, in a calendar as far as like, okay, like here's what I'm thinking. All right, this could be really good. Maybe this idea sucks. I'll bounce that off Lauren. Um, I'll talk to Mac about it. He'll usually laugh and be like, you're an idiot as well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's definitely a lot of thought that does yeah. go behind it. And I, especially if you want to have um, success or grow a following with it, um, you need to take it serious. Um, otherwise you're just going to be kind of posting and getting lost in the shuffle. Right. And my feeling too, is if you're not putting thought into it, why are you doing it? You well, know, yeah. there, there's that too. So we've been talking a while. I want to be mindful of time. Yeah. I end every episode with a list of 10 questions. They're yep. the same 10 I've asked every single guest. Okay. Um, so the first one is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it or did something where everybody's like, what is going on? <laughs> um, there's been a bunch. But, <laughs> I mean, I loved my junior coach. I mean, he um, when I was playing in, in the BCHL, I got traded my second year to the Vernon Vipers. And we had this coach, Mike Vandekamp, who probably saved my career in a lot of ways, just because he gave me an opportunity. Um, But I remember I'd probably been there for like two or three games and we Mm -hmm. were doing well. And this one game, I think we were down two nothing after the first period. And um, it was pretty quiet in the room and he's a fiery guy. And he just walked in and I remember he just looked at me, threw his pen at me and was like, are you comfortable here? I was like, no. He's like, when you get your head out of your ass, otherwise you're going to be gone. I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> so that was always one that stuck with me. But I mean, I loved Mike. He was probably one of my favorite coaches to play for. Cause you just always knew where you stood. Yeah. I, I, I always appreciated coaches that were just, you know, blunt. I, I had one, I was playing summer hockey and like he walked in the locker room. He's like, you need to be better. Yeah. Like you can make those saves. You need to be better. It's like, you're right. I know it. And I went, I played better the rest of the game, but it was like in front of the whole team, like he called me out, like you need to be better. It's like, yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, So what is your favorite all-time goalie mask? 
Oh boy. I feel like there's so many, but I was always an Ed Belfort fan. I like those classic helmets. They're clean. Yeah. Um, you can see exactly what they are. They're so identifiable. Um, so probably Eddie's Eagle. I mean, he had that. It didn't matter if he was playing for the Sharks or whoever. It was just yeah. one, just a classic, classic look that identified him. So Eddie was my goalie growing up, you know, especially growing up in Chicago in the 90s when, you know, Eddie was the guy. And I hated that he was traded to San Jose, but that look in San Jose yeah. was unreal. <laughs> it yeah. just, it, uh, I was fortunate enough to actually have him on the podcast with his son, Dane, and uh, he was awesome. I, I asked him about his uh, Cooper Reactor 5s with yeah. the alternating black and white, because story goes, the first set he got were all white. And he's like, that, that's too much. So he took a Sharpie. And actually made the black on there. And I asked him, I was like, is this true? And he's like, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. He goes, awesome. I only had to do it on the first set because the, the ones after him, they started putting the black on there. But yeah, it, Eddie was awesome. They always say, don't meet your heroes because they're going to uh, let you down. But it was that was not the case with Eddie. He was pretty, yeah, that's awesome. pretty cool. Um, so what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Favorite rink? Oh, yeah. Man. I don't know. I, there were so many cool ones, but I got to say um, it was probably the rink in Vienna, Austria, in a lot of ways. It was just the right time and the right city for me. Um, I loved my European experience. That rink for me was just was just awesome to play in. We had great fans. Um, I would say they embraced myself personally. I spent three years there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably my favorite one. Well, and I'm just looking through Google right now for rinks and what I see. Yeah, I, I can see why. Um, so th- this is always an interesting one to ask. What's your favorite goalie stick that you ever used? Favorite goalie stick. Um, I was probably one of my Heat and Helite fives. I think they might have been. Um, that would have been like the first stick that I really would have switched to. Uh, okay. When I was playing goalie. Um, full time. I want to say it was. Uh, I always use the Martin Brodeur curve. Uh, yeah. So that's um, probably that. Just a foam core, heat and helite. Just a classic brand. So, so again, because we're kind of in that same age range, you had the kids either using the heat and helite, the Brodeur. Yeah. You had the Coho kids using the uh, Wa. Yeah. Then, then you had the Sherwood kids. That's just like the Sherwood, and then you had yep. us Cooper Reactor Belfour guys. Yep. Those are like the four sticks of that era. And yeah, I did like those Cooper reactor ones. Those were nice, but yeah. I just gravitated to that foam core heat. That reactor was my favorite because the paddle didn't have that football shape that you, yep. but it was more flat. And I just, I loved it. I felt I had so much more control of that paddle because it was flat on both sides. And God, I, I love those sticks and I wish I could still buy them. Um, so what is your favorite youth hockey memory? Oh, man. That's <laughs> like so long ago. Yeah. Um, probably favorite youth hockey would have been, I would say, our peewee team winning the Southern Saskatchewan League Championship. That was probably, I think that was the only championship we would have won, or I personally would have won until – um i got the pro but some of those guys like growing up with them and especially in a small town you play with the same kids yeah over and over so it's not just you're playing with your teammates you're playing with some of your really good friends 
um, that are still friends to this day. So I'd probably say that's my favorite youth hockey. Pretty good one. Uh, So what is the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you, or from you? (laughs) Best chirp. Man, that's a tough question. I've been out of it so long. Um, Best chirp. I don't know. When I was in juniors, a big chirp was guys were telling other players, like, your mom wears army boots. And for whatever reason, that was funny. Um, I didn't really get it, but that's the only one that can come off the top of my head. So I'm not really sure how that falls in or makes sense, but that seemed to be kicking around the BCHL. We are showing our age because that, (laughs) yes, that was, I don't, and I never got that one either. It's like, but we knew it was an insult. Um, It was like, I I think it was just like so out there that it didn't make sense that it almost left you dumbfounded as like what it actually meant. Yeah. So it was kind of like just shut the other guys up right away because it just was so outlandish. (laughs) My only thought was she's so ugly that, you know, like she's wearing, I don't know. Um, Yeah. I don't know why, but me and my cousins, we really liked the movie Short Circuit. Okay. So we would always pick on each other and be like, your mama's a snowblower. (laughs) It's like just one of those. Stupid ones that very few people get when we say it to each other, but when whenever we get together, we can still bring it up. And uh, but yeah, the, the best one I've heard so far was actually from David Hutchins of Ingold Magazine when his kids' goalie coach looked at him and he goes, "You must be really good at dodgeball." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah. always a good one. So, what is the worst post game beer? The worst post game beer. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know if there is a is a worse one. You're either happy because you won and you're celebrating or, <laughs> um, or you need to have one to get your sorrows away. Cause you're feeling, feeling bad for yourself. Um, I don't know. I think probably it, for me after a game, because it's so taxing, like you get something heavy in there, like an IPA or a Guinness, you're probably not going to be feeling too well. I feel like you need something light. Yep. Right no, after I, the game. I agree. Um, in, being a Colorado guy, you'll appreciate. I think the perfect post game beer is a Coors Light. Yeah, because it's it's just it. People joke and say it's darn near water, but I think that's what makes it so perfect. Yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. It doesn't have any lingering like oof, you know, taste. So it's sure. just now when you get out to the parking lot and IPA or a Guinness, great. But that first one or yeah. two right after a game in the locker room. Coors Light is almost yeah, perfect. Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light, something like that. Yeah, you need something refreshing as close to water as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Um, I was heel to toe. Okay. No you... reason. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of my tape jobs on Instagram where I don't really put too much care into it. It took me like <laughs> 10 minutes. I hated taping my stick. Yeah, never taped a stick for practice, probably my whole life just for games. So, yeah, no reason. You're in the majority and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, because we're of the same vintage, um, you know, when we were kids with those wooden and foam core sticks, those heels were brittle. So you had to tape them. Kids today, they don't tape the heel of the composites. So because of that, we started there and worked our way down because taping around that heel takes uh, some skill. Um, So what was your favorite number to wear and why? 
Um, I actually really like number one. I think I wore that my last five years once I got to Europe. Um, mm -hmm. I think I always just thought it was a goalie number. I never really wore it in childhood. The main reason I wore it once I got to Europe is because the announcers were all in either German or Italian. Mm -hmm. And they announced the guys one by one. So in basically, New Florida, <laughs> so I always knew where to go because I was at the front, which made it easy. And um, yeah, I just thought it was a cool goalie number. I'm definitely glad I wore it towards the end. Yeah. And I never liked it because I didn't feel like I had anything on my back. Yep. But to your point, it is a good goalie number that not as many kids wear today. Yep. Um, so the, the last question is, what advice do you have for young hockey players? Uh, I think just love it. Um, love the game. I know for me, like I was very fortunate with uh, my parents and my friends. Like there was never any, uh, I would say, attachment to the training from their mm -hmm. standpoint. I think they let me fall in love with the game on my own terms, um, which in turn, when it got hard, later on and it does get hard that i wanted to work harder at it because i fell in love with it on my own so i yeah. think that's the biggest thing especially as you're climbing the ladder um it's going to get more difficult it's going to get more competitive um, but if you truly love it um you're going to work harder at it you're going to spend more time doing it um and in turn you're going to get better at it so that'd be my biggest thing just just love it and it goes by fast for everybody like you think it doesn't but it flies by for me um being 40 in july um i still think that it um i should still be playing but yeah it's it's a small little window in your life so yes uh put everything you have into it love it and yeah see where you can take it yeah, it's funny you talk about how how small that window is. I still remember the last time I took off my college jersey, which yeah. was the last competitive hockey game I played, and that was twenty three years ago. Yeah, or tw twenty years ago, and I've been playing hockey thirty five years. Yeah, uh, so over half of my career now has been in the beer league. So it's yeah. it's a small window. So it's enjoy it, and if if you love it, those hard times you still love them. They're still yeah. fun. They're well, just harder. And I think the biggest thing too is um, there's such a misconception as far as like how far you made it depend, like determines like maybe how good you were or anything like mm -hmm. that. I think once you get out of it and you get to those older ages, you realize like, okay, that was cool what I accomplished, but it really doesn't matter too much. Yeah. But it's still, I think the big, biggest success as like a coach or a parent is, probably seeing your kids still playing at 40 years old. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, great, you made it, but it's like, are you still playing after you're done? And I think that is the biggest success story you can have. Cause that's how, you know, you truly love the game. Yeah. Yeah. And th there was that great video that came out, I think this fall or maybe even last year where this girl, you know, shared the video of her husband's beer league. Yeah. And how this one player had a dad that would come out every week to his beer league games. And she's like, he must throw the look. But to your point, it's no, your kid's still playing. Yeah, your kid. And all I, these years later. And I, I, I told my dad, I was like, that would be you if we didn't live half the country away. Yeah. He, he would still come to every single game. And the only difference is he would come in the locker room after the game to get the post game beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, that's a great point is if your kid's still playing after those competitive days, that's the gauge of success, not how far they went. Um, But I do remember my first college practice after tryouts, we're all upset we didn't make the varsity team. And our coach had us all around after stretching, has us at center ice and he's looking around, he goes, look around. You guys were all, you know, starting goaltenders, first line guys, working the first power play. He goes, some of you are going to be the backup goalie. Some of you are going to be fourth line guys. Some of you are going to be fourth line guys that get healthy scratch because we got five lines out here. He goes, but you're still in the top 1% of hockey players in the world because you're playing college hockey. Like, don't, don't, don't take for granted where you're at right now. But let that disappointment you have not being on the varsity team fuel you to get yeah. you there. And it was that was like one of those like, huh, you just put everything into perspective. And he's like, we also, those of you that are going to be those fourth line guys, those backup boys, you also play a very important role on this yeah. team. And know your role and play it to the best of your ability. And I knew my role. I was three on the depth chart to the JV team for four years. And you know what? I played that role great. And I played for four years and I, I, I got my goalie coach on the uh, college goalie coach on the podcast early on. And I asked him, what the heck were you thinking, keeping me around? And he confirmed that I was kept around because I was a locker room guy. <laughs> There's a huge, um, those guys are vital. You yeah. Know, it's, um, you have guys that are great in the locker room that they're bringing energy to the group that the guys love. And then there's other guys we've all been around them that, are kind of the energy drain that maybe they're better, yeah. but you just can't stand being around them. There's a huge, huge element to all of that stuff, especially in a team dynamic. Um, and some guys are able to accept it and understand mm-hmm. what role they're in and others can't. And that's why they get pushed aside. But yeah, it's all, it's all interesting and everyone does have a role to play. And I mean, if you ever talk to Curtis, He's got some great insight into that and how that extended his career as kind yeah. of a backup goalie um, and being a great teammate. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, especially in the goalie position, it's tough. There's not a lot of spots anymore, and kids are getting better and better. No, I mean, that, that was things I asked my goalie coach. My freshman year, we had six spots between varsity and JV, and we had 26 goalies trying out. Five of them were, were returning, and – they took two freshmen. I was one of them, which means one of the returning goalies got cut. Uh, so I, I asked him, I was like, what the heck was part of the decision? And he's, and I had worked the summer hockey camp because just by fluke, I got connected because I needed a counselor. And my admissions counselor was like, hey, you play hockey, right? It's like, yeah. And so she got me. So the coaches got to know who I was as a person. They had not necessarily as a player and they could see like, you're here because you love the game and you're going to be a good locker room person. Yeah. He goes, honestly, if you hadn't worked that hockey camp, we wouldn't have got to know you and you probably wouldn't have made the team, you know, but it was like, they, they took, they, they looked beyond just the skill. It was like, who's going to fit that role. And, yeah. and I fit it. I loved it. Uh, would I have liked to play more? Yeah. But you know, I, I look back at it now and people are like, what would be your ideal dream job? I'm like, either, backup goalie in the NHL or bullpen catcher in major league baseball, because you get to be a part of the team, travel, have some fun every now and then, but you don't have the pressure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, well, Matt, I appreciate you taking time, especially as you guys are on the road. It's been fun talking to you. I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Uh, I'm wishing you were had 
classes here in Minnesota so I could work on my butterfly slide. But, you know, hey, that, that's what the outdoor rinks are for. And, uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll keep in touch, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, if you ever make it to Colorado, we'll definitely get you out and put you through a good workout. Yeah, I, I would love to bring the bag out and uh, get out there. And I'd probably call Jason up and or Justin and say, hey, let, let's all get out on the ice together. Absolutely. So yeah. let me know when. I, I would love that. It was nice talking to Matt. I think he and I could have talked a lot more about social media from a planning and marketing angle, but this is a goalie podcast, not a marketing podcast. Be sure to follow Matt and Mountain High Hockey Goalie Club on social media at MMH Goalie Club on Instagram and Twitter and Mountain High Hockey Goalie Club on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit Wash Up Goalie for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to click the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many shows to list here, but shows like the Five in a Game podcast, the Quack Report podcast, and the Sporty with Corey and Richie Arizona Coyotes podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine, published quarterly by episode 28 guest Brent Denor. The magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie, usually from the 80s or 90s, and in the first six issues, they've covered Potvin, Fuhr, Chevalde, Tebow, Reggett, Van Beesbrook, episode 20 guest Mask Painter, Don Strauss, and the latest issue zeroes in on Darren Pupa. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Thank you.
Tarkin. Yeah, dude. Hey, have you checked out the pond today? It's funny you ask. I was just down there this morning. You had any good news? Well, Dave, 